Let me just recap us. A dare. What about dad? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Alright. What a What about dad? Well, hello, ladies, gentlemen, everybody in between. How goes it? Um, yeah, so we are at Winona Earp, episode eight. Oh my goodness, we are going through. We are almost done with this season, guys, which is both exciting and sad. Jen, how are we feeling about this episode? How are you feeling? I feel really great about this episode. I feel like this was probably one, uh, this was my favorite episode so far this season. Number eight. I liked it. Forever yeah. waiting for you, Adair. We're, I'm waiting on you. Uh, I see that. Um, it is actually, it was a really good episode. Um, the, you know, for me, the things that make me really like an episode are the fact that we, well, especially with this one, we got a lot of information. We got subtle information. We had humor. We had, you know, a little bit of awkwardness and seriousness. But, like, at the end of the day, we got a lot of information. I love a good flashback, you know? So, uh, yeah, how do you feel about a good flashback, you know? I think that it, we were absolutely waiting, left waiting all season for the Kate's backstory. And I was waiting. it finally showed up. And it showed up at a time when... I think we have a lot of episodes to move forward and unpack it more and see what the repercussions of some of the decisions that have been made, specifically Doc, up to this point, how they're going to affect mm -hmm. us this season. So I think this was a really good time to do a Kate backstory. I think it was a really good um, timing for the season as it's laid out. Yeah. 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 Because, um, I, I, you know, we had said we weren't sure what her deal was, but, um, and what, you know, she was going to utilize. But I loved this episode with her and Winona and you know what was great about this was yes it was a little Kate heavy on purpose which was great kind of Kate dog backstory but at the end of the day it didn't feel like necessarily she was overtaking the story I, I think it was perfect um let's talk about Winona real quick um in regards to all that what is her deal this episode you know for me it feels like she's trying to look for normalcy you know she's just trying to get a foothold on the next thing yeah she wants bullshard she wants to fight this demon but like at the end of the day she just seems to be wanting normalcy with charlie you know and um it's i don't know it's kind of interesting because to me she feels like she is seeking slash running away from normalcy you know via charlie it, it feels like she wants answers with doc but like she still loves him that's why she wants to go kick kate's ass but like she doesn't really know what she's doing. Like she never really knows what she's doing, but this feels like she's really just grasping for straws, or I don't know, trying to figure something out. I felt that Winona was in herself, being defiant. You know, she in the previous episode discovers the true nature of Doc, and it felt mm -hmm. like she was doing everything she could to defy him emotionally take a punch at him, take a swipe, an emotional swipe at him. And I think um, I really liked the scene in the early part of the episode between her and Jeremy. The scene where mm. she's playing pool with Jeremy. 
and you realize mm. it's the same pool table that she gave birth on, and she keeps and she pointing it out. And let him forget it. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, my placenta staying right there, and Jerry, you're going to I think I lost an umbilical cord. Yeah, yeah. I loved all of that, but I also loved that it was at Doc's bar, and if you think about it, Doc has not thrown away that pool table that's a very special table to him and so yeah. even in that moment she is upset with doc she's she has in front of her what she's lost she's playing on her own loss if you will and i thought that in that moment her choice to go and basically leave that situation leave that relationship and pursue charlie was a really strong active choice and i love jeremy being the person who kind of like set her up to do it he was you a know, really good wingman, man you know i well i love their dynamic because he has the only dynamic on the show where he hasn't tried to sleep with winona he never will he doesn't want anything from her they had their issues with the whole dolls thing but like she he is kind of like the little brother she never had you know and i i really like that that she's teaching him how to play pool and trying to acclimate him into the world of purgatory, which I think is kind of, you know, giving him love advice out of all the people, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I, I really, I think that that was a fun kind of pairing. But I also love the fact that, you know, when she's paired up with Kate, it's also this weird familiarity. Sibling like rivalry. <laughs> well, sort of, but like they see each other. Like, you know, when you have like, a, it's like the ex-wife, and the new wife, but, like, they actually kind of get along after they realize that the guy they both eventually were with is kind of a piece of shit, you know, <laughs> like, or, or whatever, you know. It's like, oh, us women gave up so much for this guy or whatever. I I love the fact that when we first see Winona and Kate, you know, she's busting into the house, but then Kate has a better entrance and she's like what the hell you know and like she has a gun but she has her gun and then she draws a knife and then she has a bigger knife like you know there is so much showing that kate technically is the better woman for doc but not really i just you know it's like i think the yeah. all those one-uppers were kind of a metaphor those one-uppers you know you're right the small knife the larger knife the gun the bigger gun the fact of the matter is is that i think that that's a metaphor for relationship and intimacy with Doc. You know, so every time Winona thinks she has something on Kate in terms of her and leading back to Doc, Kate one-ups her every time with this long eagle. It, it, it was a great way to lead us into her backstory. Yeah, you know, absolutely And it's great. a metaphor for this long history that she has with Doc. You know, like, I freaking loved Kate's backstory. Like, I'm so glad they finally showed it. It's a, I mean, it's a sad one. Ultimately, she gave up her life to find Doc. Like, she married him. She loved him for him, even though he was a bastard at the time. You know, she really wanted to find him after he went missing in the well, you know? Which is interesting, because, yeah, we've seen her be, it felt like being manipulative. But after you see kind of her backstory, she is just more desperate than manipulative. You know, she's like... I became a vampire for you to find you. You should become a vampire so that we can be together forever, finally. she. At the end of the day, we thought she was trying to like get her away from Winona. And, and maybe there was a, a bit of that. But at the end of the day, it was, I literally gave up my life to find you. So I'm here now. Come with me. Like, be with my husband. Go back to the way things were. Let's be together. And I think now that she's seeing how he's acting, she realizes... He's now in love with somebody else. And she's actually, by the end of this episode, accepting of that. And I love the line that she says, you know, 
the universe is, you know, a bastard or whatever, you know, <laughs> the universe is, loves a bad joke, you know? And it's that idea of like, yeah, you know, her and Winona are pretty much made from the same cloth. They're the same type of woman. Doc loves these strong, independent women that he that he can't really wrangle. He can't uh, control because he can't be controlled, you know. Uh, but I don't know. I, I just I like the fact that her and Winona are so similar. My my only thing is, and this is um this is not a part. I'm gonna pull you out of the story really quickly. Sorry. This mm -hmm. is just a note about the overall show, mm -hmm. in terms of the dialogue and the way these flashbacks are written my mm. one problem with the flashbacks and all the flashbacks not just kate just in general across the border mm. is that i feel that the language is too modern in the flashbacks i feel like when i watch these flashbacks i wish the writers would use just change it up a little and kind of age the language a little bit because I, one of the things I noticed in this episode was that Doc is not the only person from this past timeline that's still alive, but he's the only one who's doing, like, a North Carolina Southern accent, Western accent. And I feel like all of these people are Bobo, uh, Rosarita, all these characters, uh, they existed in that timeline as well. And I feel like when I hear them talk, they, it's it's very modern, and that makes sense that they've lived up to a certain point and they've modernized their language. But when we're in the past, I want to feel more like we're in the past. And it pulls yeah. me out of the world when I hear just too many modern references, language references. And that's, that's, that's a dialogue thing with this show. And that was the one thing that I wish that it had sounded just more dated. So. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you know, it's funny when you say that because I'm like thinking back. I think Michael Eklin or Bobo is kind of the only other person that when they did the flashback, he was a lot more present in the language. Even the stuff they had him say, he still made it seem very old timey. Um, but I think that as an actor, he thought about that kind of thing. But yeah, it'd be nice because in the flashbacks, I mean, we don't see uh, uh, Rosita in a flashback, but. We do get Bobo, we get Doc, uh, Bolshar, uh, Constance. Constance. We see JC. Uh, we see, um, you know, Kate. I, I would have really liked, yeah, absolutely. And it's the same, kind of the same thing. We need to be taken out of time when we are out of time. Like, if we are in the past, we need it to really feel like the past, not just visually, but auditorily. And then also, um, when we are in purgatory and the pedestrian side of purgatory, we need to feel like that's not the supernatural, you know? Um, when you're going to take us to a new part of the city or part of the story, we need to feel like we're there. And this show does have a habit of making us all feel like it's the same kind of plane of existence, and it shouldn't. If we're in the past, it should feel like, what would past purgatory sound like? Yeah, they're, they're all badasses. And I understand, I absolutely get the revenants being a lot less old-timey because they've come back so many times that they're just kind of adapting their own language or whatever. But, yeah. It, I mean, even Kate, I feel like, yeah, she's a vampire and she's from Hungary. I would have loved her to have more of a Hungarian 
not accent, but like sensibility. If that's yeah. where you come from, you never really lose where you come from. She's from Europe. You know, doc. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uncle. Europe. You know. And she's from Europe. Yeah. 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 You know, and I think that like, yeah, Doc. He's kind of like a New Yorker out here. My dad. He hasn't lived in New York for over 25 years, maybe 30 years, but he still has a thick freaking Bronx accent. <laughs> like when you talk to him, because that's where he's from. You know. Um, I would have. I get why Doc still sounds the way he does. But like, but at this point, Kate? I feel like if we're else? doing no. modern Western, I feel like yeah. Doc is the only one who sounds Western. So it's just like, I wish when we we're in the past, it would just sound like the past. And and, and, and I found that it pulled me out of it. It absolutely no, did yeah. every t- last season as well. Um, oh, but yeah, yeah. yeah. so it is that was it. my one uh, critique. So, but like, as far as those two women, let's get back on track a bit. Um, I really like the power. I love the standoff. I love the fact that they got each other. They actually kind of came to an understanding. Both, I think, when Constance needed to die and they saw how sad she was and how cursed and lonely she was, technically those two women are cursed. Kate's cursed with vampirism and, you know, Wynonna's cursed with this curse, you know? And for both of those strong women to see this broken, another strong woman who's now broken and just wants to rest in peace... You know, I think that's really fascinating. We can real quickly talk about, you know, the fact that the Peacemaker turned blue when she needed to shoot Constance. That could be showing mercy to Constance. That could be showing that she has made her peace with her life and she's just ready to go, you know, and not come back anymore. Um, the, the color, the mood ring, a.k.a. the Peacemaker, is really quite an interesting thing that we're, we're getting in this episode as well. But, yeah, I love the fact that those two strong women watched another woman be done with her time and I think that kind of made them see each other a little bit more plainly and say that this cursing it it sucks and that we only have to survive and make it you know I, 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 I definitely think it was very betch betch what's with the betch low betch the the the, 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 the test the feminist Bechtel? test yeah, oh, no, I don't. I don't know. I, it was it was two women. Oh, the Bechdel text. Yeah, the Bechdel text. I don't know if this episode passed that actually because um, it was two women, basically Winona and Kate, talking about a guy. <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, it it was, but you know what? I I don't think in that regard. Um, I guess yeah, technically it doesn't pass. But they weren't fighting over a guy. They weren't fighting over a guy, but their dialogue they consisted. Were, well, it their was, dialogue consisted of unpacking the history of Kate and uh, Doc and it was it was about it was about her relationship to him and why she's not to bl- be blamed for it but absolutely Kate had this wonderful little line about you're coming to me to talk about Doc and I really did think that was an interesting choice that as soon as Winona finds out that Robin was bit she goes in gun blazing she, she ends her date with Charlie to go and confront Kate and I think that it did get us to a place where we finally had that conversation about Kate's past and that was how they got us there but it truly was one woman blaming another woman for a problem she's having with a guy (laughs) at the end of the day it was but it got us to the backstory it got us to Kate it got us to talk about what we needed to talk about find out what her deal is but at the same time I wish we could have just gotten Kate's story without it having to have been over this guy. <laughs> but like, that's Well, just... I mean, I think that's the only thing that does connect Kate and Wynonna, unfortunately, is Doc, you know? And so they kind of couldn't avoid that. But I, 
because especially at the end of this episode, they come to a, a mutual kind of realization and it's like we're the same kind of women. We dealt with this kind of dude. You know, Kate's like, you should talk about Charlie. You know, I mean, not saying that you should leave Doc, but this guy really it has what she say. It really does tell something the sentiment of a man. She goes, having a man that'll even show you emotion. And she was kind of saying, like, Doc never showed Kate emotion either. And Doc hasn't been showing Winona, I guess, the right emotion at the right time or whatever. But yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it was two women talking about a dude, but I think it's a little different because they weren't necessarily like, I think it was the whole misunderstanding and not knowing each other and yeah, blame. And that's why I love when she's like, you know, you can't kill me because it doesn't really take away his vampirism. Like, he's still a vampire. <laughs> like, she's like, well, you should have just led with that, you know? And in any other circumstance, I think they would be, they would have been friends. But they fought over uh, a guy. But they did fight. Also, I think that now, but I think they're on the road to being very good frenemies. I think because so, too. Because I think that, I think that they're going to have a good relationship. Unfortunately, you know? I think that that's the exact same story we got with Rosarita last, last, Rosita, Rosette, did I say that right? Rosita, Rosita. Rosita. Yeah. I, I feel like that's the same thing that happened last season with Winona. Sort of getting upset with Rosita for dating Doc and them having a frenemies relationship where Winona wanted to shoot her all the time and Rosita was like hold on girl I am going to college mm. and whipping up some serum to save everyone's asses no see I don't think they had a, a, a frenemy relationship because I don't think Rosita and Winona had a relationship I feel like you know Rosita was unfortunately kind of used I, I felt like she was a pawn for Doc to like oh I'm going to showcase this and you're going to help me because he already, in the first season, came up to her, or the second season, came up to her and was like, here's money, you want a way out? This is your way out. You know, and she was never really, like, going to be on equal ground with Winona. Kate is absolutely on equal ground with Winona. Rosita never really was, you know, and she wasn't trying to be her friend even before she found out she was a, re a remnant. She just, like, never cared, you know? And I think with Kate, she eventually kind of cared because they, once again, are the same type of person. You know, they have more of a even playing field, I think, than Rosita and Winona. Um, I, yeah, they, I guess they, to a degree they tried it, but I, I would say Kate is way more unequal to Winona than Rosita ever was, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, it's a bummer that they were on the equal, like, I, I think, you know, she's I a think, revenant. I but. think what this is all really about is about the, I think that this leads to the, the, the notion, the idea that Doc is somebody who uses women. And mm -hmm. he used Rosita, and then he used his wife, Kate, and she gave and gave and gave. She gave, more she gave up her soul. And mm -hmm. I think he was expecting Winona to give in that capacity. And when mm -hmm. she didn't, he threw a tantrum and became a vampire. And I just think that speaks to his selfish nature. And... Moving forward, I am so glad Wynonna is moving forward. I am, you know, like, this episode made me so much more okay with Charlie. Whereas in the past, mm -hmm. I felt like Charlie was just filler. I'm like, no. I am down for some normalcy. And I love the idea of bringing someone from the pedestrian world into Wynonna's life. Someone who's gonna hang almost in the capacity that Nicole did. Um, just kind of go with the crazy punches. And um, I, 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 I like Charlie this episode. What did you think about him? 
Yeah, you know, my thing is, is he a good man? And is that it? Like, I think because we're so used to people backstabbing and being a hot mess that we don't even realize what it feels like to have a normal... We don't know how to trust a normal person in the show, you know? And, yeah, like uh, Emily said in the interview, she goes, look, you know, maybe he's just a normal guy. You know, maybe there is that sense of yeah purgatory has room people know about purgatory they've heard rumors they've heard stories and so some people might be keen like nicole didn't freak out you know when she found out everything about purgatory because she has eyes and she's not crazy and she looked around and she's like what the fuck is going on and then when she was told she's like oh okay cool okay so bunny loblo is also somebody who exists in the pedestrian world and she also had the inclination that there was something abnormal about the town and that was something that she seemed very aware of yeah no absolutely and the thing is like even though she was aware of that kind of pedestrian world unlike nicole you know she didn't i mean she knows about it but she doesn't really know about it that's kind of what winona was talking about like she doesn't want to know about it yeah she doesn't really want to know about it it's so Um, terrible (laughs) because it's so bad but like yeah, I mean, she knew about it. And then that's why it's kind of interesting going to this pedestrian thing and having, like, someone like Charlie because, you know, he is giving us, once again, a good guy who is pedestrian, who knows about this stuff or gets it and isn't freaking out when it comes to Winona, you know? And I think it's really interesting that Winona is not... Gosh, it's, like, it's weird because I'm not sure if she's even used to the normality of having a normal person in this world, you know? And I love that. I I think that really speaks to how her character has matured. And it really started with this relationship with Doc where she was in this toxic relationship and she's grown so much bigger these last two seasons by having that baby with him. And now the question is, you know, can she be normal too? Can she, is she in a mature headspace to let this regular guy into her world? And actually, I think it's really interesting. I like the fact that, you know, her normal is our not normal. And this normal guy is making her kind of come out of her comfort zone. And I like that. I also love the fact that he's very confident in not necessarily becoming more because he's like, all right, I get it. You said no strings, but clearly he wants more, you know? And you see that with his relationship or this pairing, this episode with Doc. You know, I liked them together. I liked that there was a gentleman's, not agreement, but a gentleman's kind of battle in a way. Like Doc can't hate Charlie because he only has Winona in in mind. And he knows he's not in a place to do that right now. And I, I don't know. I really like the whole scene in the bar where he's like that honesty in Charlie, speaking of Charlie now, um, where he goes, I really like her. And Doc goes, I'm thirsty, not stupid, you know? And and then Doc has that honesty of saying, but you don't know her like I know her, you know? And I love that because it's these two guys just saying it plain. Unlike Dolls, this triangle was very passive-aggressive. Everybody was kind of assuming something. I like the fact that Charlie just said it. I like this girl. And I know that yeah. he's baby daddy, and I don't really care because she doesn't want you right now. Maybe it's time to move on. Yeah, I, I agree yeah. with that. 
I feel like, you know, in reference to season two, you had Doc and Dolls, and there was a love triangle, but Dolls really kind of removed himself from the triangle in terms of contention for Winona's affection uh, when Winona and Doc got, ha got pregnant. And so he wasn't really competitively invested, but we weren't given the gratification of seeing Dolls kind of check uh, Doc's more impulsive nature. And it was really refreshing to see Charlie, who doesn't have any power, uh, stand up to, to, to Doc, and, you know, even in the face of the supernatural. You know, he was somebody who, he stood up to the Stone Witch up to, as, as much as he could. Yeah. To his, the extent of his ability before he gave in to allowing Doc into the fight. Exactly. But I thought that it was really, really admirable, and I can't wait to see what this character is going to bring to the table. Oh, can I just, <laughs> that's a little side note that I loved about their pairing and you kind of see that Doc hasn't really been able to have bro time with a guy and I see that that could be a relationship with Charlie. Not only does he know a paramedic who can help him get blood but when they're talking about Charlene, the car and he's like, wow, that's really good trunk space. He's like, I know, right? Like, you know, it's just like such a dude kind of moment and I really appreciated the fact that like you know, they had that and you know, they're trying to, like, get the well open. He's like, is this where you put all your dead bodies? <laughs> you know, kind of thing. And you know, I was going to say really quickly for a second, I got the feeling that Doc was going to throw him down the well. I don't know what it was. But when he brought him to the well and he talked about his imprisonment, I thought Doc was, like, at that point where he would do that hmm. to Charlie just to be a jackass. And I was thankful that he didn't, but it just showed me, like, how far I think Doc has gone off. Also, I feel like if he would have done that, Winona would have absolutely come and tried to kill him. So, like, <laughs> I doubt it. Like, um, but I love the fact that they're over the well, and then <laughs> because we have a great tradition of flipping people off in the show, I love the fact that Constance gets in the car and flips him off with her, her unattached hand. That's hilarious. <laughs> that, that kind of stuff to me is absolutely funny. And like, and even Doc laughs about it. Like, well, I stole her car. Now she's still in my car. Ah, it's just fair. You know, what's fair in love and war kind of situation. And I think he, I like the fact that Doc even found that humorous. <laughs> you know, it's like, this bitch done stole my car. And he's like, shoot out the tires. I'm not shooting out Charlene's tires. Like, you, you, might, you know, I, I just love the fact that Doc loves his car. <laughs> I don't know why. And I just love the fact that he had, we saw it with the black badge guy who came in. And we're kind of seeing it with Charlie that Doc even misses being around good men. And he had a posse with Wyatt. You know, that was his whole kind of downfall is being in a posse and being needed by anybody. And I think that, um, you know, Charlie, even though is an adversary, he's, I have a feeling, is going to be kind of that new Dolls in Doc's life. You know, because he liked Dolls at the end of the day even though Dolls is absolutely in love with his girlfriend or whatever, you know, the girl he's got baby daddy or baby mama, you know. So I really like that. And uh, I love the fact that, you know, we get this new kind of dynamic. Dolls is this, you know, Count Docula, as we've been calling him, and he bit Doc. Robin. Yeah, Doc. Oh, I mean, well, I was saying that Doc loved Dolls uh, to a point, and now Charlie's kind of filling that spot. But then I said, you know, I'm saying, talking about Count Docula now, 
um, he bit Robin, you know, and he's unhinged and he's trying to learn how to deal with his vampirism, you know, and that's really interesting. But um, yeah. It, one of the things that came up for me with the vampire, uh, being a vampire, seems that th with being a vampire, it seems like there's so much less freedom. Mm -hmm. And slash, I feel like, yeah, he can punch a witch through the heart, but in the day, there are so many rules where you can entrap a vampire, like, like holy water on a rope, or disinviting them from your house, or the sun itself, or needing blood. It just seems that the, being a vampire is such a trap and there's so many little rules about it in this world that it really seems that uh, Doc has limited himself and he's more weak than he's ever been. Absolutely. And so we even I, see that when he's like not feeding. And actually when they were doing the walking in the snow, I thought that Charlie was going to offer himself to to Doc to feed him. Like, because that's a, a big trope when a tro you know, vampires like tired or whatever, and they're like, okay, man, I get it. We have to do this, so you can bite my hand. You just gotta stop, you know, and control <laughs> yourself, and that didn't happen. <laughs> he was just like, I like the fact that Doll's like, I mean, Doc is like, go ahead, knock me out, because that's the only <laughs> way that, you know, and I appreciate the fact that Charlie was strong enough to knock him out, uh, <laughs> you know, in that in that state or whatever, but he was so weak. I appreciated that. Um, but going on to you know, Robin and, and the fact that Doc bit Doc him. lost control, lost yeah. Control. He got ravenous, he, you know? He has no idea what it is he's asked for. And I was really shocked by that. And he didn't have the control to stop himself. And I was just telling you that it feels like poor Robin is the Nicole Hot of this season. It's true. Season 2 version of Nicole just Hot getting has, his ass has transferred over to Robin. <laughs> Robin has been kidnapped, turned into a tree, <laughs> manipulated by Balshare. Mm -hmm. He's been bit by a vampire. Since meeting Jeremy, he has got a target on his back. <laughs> you know, and it's it's sad, but I, I appreciate it. Um, he's just absolutely the least. He has the least amount of power in the world, and it seems that the the spiritual world, he's not doing well. No, he's not doing well. <laughs> he, he, He's not doing well in it. You know, Some secrets are best left kept. I really <laughs> like Robin, and I, I like the fact that he's very chill. And he's also another person who's like, well, there's supernatural stuff. And I loved this kind of gay kumbaya in the barn after he's, like, talking to the trees and in the corner and all the whole thing. And they all go around and go, well, I was possessed by a demon. I have a ring that's following me. I got stuck in a car with my mom. Like, I love that. Like, honey, I know it seems weird but you're going to be fine. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. It's all the things you could talk about at a giant gay dinner. <laughs> <laughs> we were given that, finally. Like, that was one of the, 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 the things on our list <laughs> that we had hoped for, which was a double date. And when Jeremy was like, we're going on a double date tonight, or when uh, Jeremy calls Robin to go on the date, and Robin's so cute, and he's so excited about going. He's like, what should I bring? I just love that. I had so much hope for that scene. Like, I was truly hoping we'd get, like, dinner mm. and get to see what they were eating and what they'd talk about. Yeah. And I just felt like I like I would, I could watch an hour of Way Hot and whatever Jeremy Robbins ship name yeah, is. I, I, could watch all, I could watch an hour of that, just that, and it's, enjoy it. And it's adorable. I loved, um, real quick, kind of backtracking to Jeremy. I really loved Jeremy 
um, and how he's grown as a character and how he's kind of meeting Robin has given him a little bit more of a boost. He's way sassier and way more blunt because he is the heart of this group now. I think that, well, let me say the moral compass of the group, maybe not the heart, but the moral compass. He, you know, it's getting sassier. Like when Dolls died and Winona was being mean to him and he goes, I get it. It's easier to blame me than the dead dragon. It's like, that was super ballsy to say in front of Winona at that time. And the same with Doc. And when Doc came in, he goes, how dare you bite him? Like, you don't get to tell Robin or me that he's sick. You don't get that choice. And he goes, this is why Winona left you, you know? And really to say that in front of a vampire and the guy you have a crush on or whatever, it's like, that's ballsy as shit, you know, uh, Jeremy. And I like the fact that he's fighting for something. Jeremy now has something to fight for. I mean, yeah, he's fighting for Alice and Winona and all that stuff, but really... Robin is something he gets to fight for now, you know? And I love the fact that we got backstory. We get why his groin wakes up <laughs> when there's sadness, you know? It's like, it's so bizarre, but like, I really appreciated getting just that glimpse of Jeremy. And, and I like the, I just like him and Robin together because a stronger Jeremy makes him a less passive character, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think that one of the things I really liked in this scene, the big gay dinner party scene mm. was I truly enjoyed seeing Waverly and Robin discuss the past. Yeah. You know that Robin is somebody from the pedestrian world who knew Waverly in high school, who knew the er, sisters in high school. And we never got that when we were first introduced to Robin. We just got that introduction, but it was never like, hey, this is Nicole. You know, this is who I'm involved with. It was like, this is the officer of the town. Yeah. So we, we never got a, a true, um, it, we never got to have that conversation. And, and, and just having a few lines here or there between the two really kind of grounded that relationship. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a really nice, I think there's such a nice counterbalance to Way Hot. And it's like, it's almost like I wouldn't know what to do with Robin on the show, but I wouldn't want him to leave the show. Yeah. Even though we predicted, we've marked him for doomsday. Oh, like, well, obviously, yeah. As soon as he got... He's too fragile in this world. He needs to learn how to fight. He's so he damn precious. He's too lessons. precious. Um, well, my thing is, I, I really feel like that balance is great between Way Hot and, and, you know, Jeremy and Robin. I think that seeing... Like I said, it's just nice to see something not supernatural for a minute in a, in a moment. Also, can we just give a shout-out... This is the first time I've seen, and I'm 33, first time I've seen a double date between two, you know, homosexual couples. It's freaking awesome. Um, I love the fact that they're precious and basic, and they're just trying to have a good time, you know. And this ushered one of my favorite scenes. <laughs> <laughs> may I, may I, t no, yes, yeah. go yeah, on. I already know you want to. You're I, like, you're I'm like... bubbling. I'm, I'm just seeping through the scenes. Uh yeah. Okay, so I love the fact that we get this kind of faux proposal. Let's just be there, kids. Let's talk about it. You know, it's such a parallel to Doc's kind of faux proposal to Winona. You know, he had his ring. It fell off. He's picking it up, and he hands it to Winona, saying that, here, I give you my life ultimately. Now, we have this accidental proposal <laughs> by uh, Nicole. You know, she talking to Jeremy and all of a sudden the ring of Valshire pops into this, you know, biscuit and she drops it and goes to pick it up and is like, what the hell? And then Waverly thinks she's getting proposed to. 
so many things here I love. A, Waverly's like absolutely joy. I'll say yes, you know, the kind of thing. And she's like, oh my God, I'm dizzy. And like, you know, she's like, <laughs> she's awkward. And Jeremy's like, yeah. Her response was adorable. It was so adorable. And like, I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. But like, Jeremy, he was like, yeah. He's like playing it up. Like, sir, you know, that is not what's happening. <laughs> like, you know, and. I love the fact that Nicole's not saying, like, no, oh, God, no, that's not what's happening. She's just, like, looking like, oh, shit, oh, shit. And then she's like, this bullshit is ring. Like, it's not a matter of I don't want to propose. It's a, oh, my God, I feel awkward because I know what this ring is, you know? <laughs> and I, I love that. But with oop, Waverly's reaction, the thing I liked about her reaction, and we've seen this twice now or at least once recently, with Way Hot, I like their domesticity I think that I don't know lately it's felt like we're intruding like as an audience watching way hot sometimes like with the Christmas outfit and she's dancing for her and it's so uncomfortable and awkward I'm like I don't feel like I should be here for this <laughs> like I feel very uncomfortable watching I love it I need you I need to calm down I need you calm calm down what I was saying <laughs> is that you're saying you don't want to have it in your eyes? No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is there are moments that people can capture in TV, and because they have such great chemistry, that feels like we are intruding on super personal moments. It's like they're so believable that you're just like, should I be here for this? You know, and like, I know we're going to love slash be super like, ah! when they really do get proposed you know, and do you know propose and all that stuff but get like, engaged yeah get engaged but get proposed yeah you know i couldn't english <laughs> is not my it's you're thing. having a hard time you can't think of the thought and say i not to do too giddy you're like a robot robot that's gone fried it's true you know cannot compute um but yeah i don't know i just really like that moment it was super cute and they've been mentioning it. Um, this goes also into our theory, but we'll talk about that a little, uh, 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 a little uh, uh, later, I know. Are we really there yet, madam? Almost, actually. Um, <laughs> and speaking of, you know, this ring, we have Waverly and this ring. Jen, what did you think about this kind of, this whole My thing? thought about the proposal scene was that this ring has been tracking Nicole. It's been reappearing in Nicole's life for several episodes she doesn't know why it's there and but when she does finally pass it over to um waverly it becomes stuck on waverly's hand and so my thought was that nicole needed to be the person to give it to waverly for whatever power it has to be imbued and awakened and to be activated yeah i mean even though like yeah technically it was in her pocket and it burned her and then she dropped it because it was hot it was still, you know, from Nicole to Waverly, you know, and it was interesting. And then even when Waverly puts it on, she goes, oh, it fits. You know, it's like she was excited because yeah, it was yeah. still in that vein of proposal where it, it still felt like she was receiving this proposal. Does that make sense? Um, yeah. I really liked. Uh, God, there's so much kind of the whole end of this episode is really based around Nicole and Waverly. And but, Balshar, you know. But really what I thought this episode did really well, let me just throw this in here, an overall analysis of the episode. I felt like this episode really did a great job of 
getting three storylines, threading them together mm-hmm. in a way where we, I can see a, a clear line towards the finale. And it's barely episode eight, so we have plenty of time to live in some of these uh, circumstances and conflict and really enjoy it, you know? So, like, I like the way that this episode brought Kate's storyline. It brought Robin, Bolshar, McWayha, just all together, mm-hmm. in, in it, and it sewed it well. And that's one of the hardest things to do is arc a series slash get, make everything make sense in a finale. <laughs> yeah, it really did. It really did. They're doing it. A- and it, it felt like it, this episode was a... Um, pre-season finale episode but really it's just an eight so i like the way the stakes were risen yeah um i'm really here for um that kind of seemingly um i don't know like that really good way of yeah putting it all together you know let's kind of get into this ending because it all kind of goes for one thing uh we have winona i mean winona we have waverly putting this ring on uh, Constance comes in looking for the tarot cards of, you know, old, if you will. And having, like, that whole moment of, like, um, she goes, oh, the ring fits. And then Constance turns around and tries to attack her because that was her ring. You know, that was, uh, in a way, I do believe, you know, her husband's ring. Or why is another woman, why does it fit? And she attacks and we see this awesome superpower from Waverly, which, cool. I'm here for it. <laughs> Green Lantern. Yeah, very good. You know, <laughs> and it's a very um, angel putting it on. It was the, white. It was a white color. Yeah, power. white color power. Yeah. She's looking very angelic in this thing. I'm here for that. She was wearing that white fur. That, mm-hmm. that yeah. very much like wings or like feathers, if you will, um, which I, I loved. Um, I love the fact that we get this. You know, branding. It's like now on her finger. It's stuck there. You know, I love the fact that. Kate, when Winona comes back in the barn or whatever, and she's like, what'd she take? Um, I love the fact that Kate holds her hand and goes, this thing is older than time itself. Be, you know, hold on to this relic. Because Kate already read and saw what Waverly was in the cards in a few episodes ago. You know, so Kate, I think, knows that Waverly needs to have that that relic, you know? Yeah. Um, which I think is really interesting, and we kind of glossed over it. But the fact that she sees it for what it is is really interesting. Um, now let's get into a bit of this last part. Let's talk Balsha and then we'll kind of work back into the theories with Nicole. And I think in order, order to do this, we have to really look at Kate and what she predicted. Those three cards and you did, we pulled them up earlier. Yeah. And Kate's cards, the, the, the connotation of what's on those cards, you know, in order for, uh, what Balshar was missing. Cause he's looking for something with, um, his future, his his future that was read years ago by Kate. And Winona figures out that that future is locked with hers. So she's able to see what it was that was missing. And it was interesting. It was it was the lovers, the tower. Yeah, and the devil. Um, real quick, just to give you guys some information on it, if you want to go to Kate's cards on Twitter, uh, you can look this up too. But let's real quick just like give a small you know, description of kind of each card, if you don't mind. It, it reads like a Fifty Shades. Well, it does. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna read that part because you guys. It's a little long. You guys can read that yourself. But I'm just gonna go to the keywords of each of each card real quick. Uh, so the first one's the the Devil card, um, and that was Bolshar's past, and it says cages, prisons, uh, bondage, hell, lies, illusion, 
the need to keep solidarity in your beliefs. Continue to do what is right no matter what should happen. Use the power and force of your fate for good. Channel and direct it towards your destiny rather than your destruction, your shadow side. So there could have been a positive, you know, if this, if uh, Winona's a twin, uh, tarot card twins with Balshar, then you can literally see the difference between when, when it would be applicable to Winona and when it's applicable to Balshar. Um, the next card uh, is the tower, and the tower has kind of, these are the key words for the tower, um, uh, initiation, liberation, power, dominion, destruction of illusion and conventions, disillusion and individuality, freedom from unnecessary things and things which are no longer part of your reality. Stress, misery, depression are part of the uh, tension of letting go of old paradigms. Eventually you will find your way again. The crack of the whip, the strike of the lightning, the tip of the spear, shattered definitions, find new words, equilibrium restored. And that's for the tower. And that's very much, once again, Winona or Bolshar, which I think is really fascinating. And then we have the last card, which everybody's losing their shit over. <laughs> now this, okay, I suggest you guys all go read on Kate's cards. <laughs> the description of the lovers and the tower. That is some Fifty Shades, like Jen said. It is real steamy. And you're just like, Get in there. you're like, what am I reading? Get oh, in dear. there. Uh, Roll up your sleeves. Start to read that out. Now, this is the um, the lover's card. Uh, yeah. This, to me, is part of a th our theory, and we'll talk about that at the end. Marriage, joining union, love, attraction, acceptance, non-judgment, inclusion, beauty, perfection, peace. So there's that. And then real quick, I'm going to read the reverse of those words. Difficulty joining, judgment, exclusion, captivity, servitude, and slavery. Uh, the reason why I'm reading the I read the reverse is because I really believe that the initial wording of it is geared towards Waverly, and the negative side of it is geared towards Bolshar. Now, those are just the three cards. Make sure you guys head over to Kate's cards. Uh, we'll put the I'll try to put the link in the description later. Um, you know, just to get some more familiarity on those words. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a lot. Those those cards are really interesting. What what does Balshar want? Garden of Eden. Jen, you well, have some thoughts on that? I think that I do. I have a whole prediction I'm ready to unpack now. Good. So Balshar and his if you look at Balshar and what he's done in all of the lore and up until this point, is that he's marriage is a huge 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 part of what he does mm -hmm. and what he does is he controls women and he turns them into witches or, and he uses them to amass more power and so a marriage with him really does lead to destruction and servitude if you look at Clutie in this episode mm -hmm. she does not go to hell because she was subservient she was cursed as cursed as kate and winona are and now the opposite of that would be, so if he's a devil, the opposite of that is the angel. And we're finding out that Waverly is some form of a hybrid angel. And the opposite of that is the other side of the card, which basically describes Wayhot in a nutshell. And so the idea at the very end with the Garden of Eve, I felt like this whole episode was kind of filled with these references to sex and 
wangs, penises, <laughs> towers, they even said it, mm-hmm, sex, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they said Adam and Eve, the first couple to copulate and create. And so, in my opinion, it seems that Balshore has come to Purgatory to find Eve, and that he himself thinks that he is Adam to fulfill a purpose, and it seems that weddings is is a huge is a huge part of what Balshar does. So it seems he wants to take Eve as a wife, and that to me is Waverly, the person the ring clicks on, the ring which we think uh, belonged to Julian. Yeah. So our thoughts is our money is on this, the finale, mm-hmm. episode thirteen. Mm-hmm. We see Balshar. You're you agree with this, yeah. right? Adair and I both think that Balshar is going to kidnap Waverly and force her to marry him. Well, we're, po- so we're, we're partially in, this, in agreement with this, but continue. So he can fulfill this prophecy. She can be the Eve to his Adam. I personally think he's going to want to, cre- he needs to create something with her. He needs to get her pregnant. Um, but here's the thought. We think that during the ritual that it's going to somehow Winona is going to show up with her gang and they're going to swap out uh, Balshore for for Nicole because because both Adair and I agree to this. We both think that Nicole is the missing piece. She is Adam. Do you want to reject Yeah, Sheila? yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think that that's kind of, yeah, it's accurate, you know. Balshore wants all these things. He wants power. And much like the cards are saying, you know, you can either have building and acceptance or you can have destruction and and he thinks that because like you know he's evil when he sees these cards he's thinking oh great my future means that i'm gonna have this garden i'm gonna be able to create and everything like that and kate has specified balshaw's just a demon that's it he's not a god he is just a demon he was a man so he is half man half demon waverly is half angel half human and i think that the you know the the ring sealing on her finger and saying it's the garden means that she's the ultimate keeper of that garden, you know, and she's the one who's supposed to be there. And I do believe that Nicole is Adam. Um, they've already established that they're soulmates. They've established that in any time they're going to be together. Uh, we've established that the ring out of no, no real reason yet that we can see has gone to Nicole. Why has this ring been following Nicole to get to Waverly? There are multiple times where the ring could have just popped into Waverly's hand. You know, when Jolene was being a piece of shit, she could have it could have popped in and saved her. When um, you know all these other things were happening, when you know Mama and that it could have easily gone to her already. You know, but no, it went to Nicole. The ring needed to have Nicole give it to Waverly in some way. You know. Um, she said she's always known she's been an angel. Why did Nicole get saved out of all the people at this Balshar massacre? Like, they're intertwined. And so I think that with the love, the lover's card is going to be more of a, you know, the snake trying to tell Eve what to do. And really, Nicole's probably going to be the Adam in the story, you know? Right. And I, I want to take it one step further and think, like, I don't think that we're going to end the season with an engagement. My money is on a full-on Miss and Miss Earp Hot wedding. I think they're going to end up married. That's it. And I think there's been a lot of foreshadowed, uh, foreshadowing mm-hmm. this since if you look back at the clues, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you've been getting a lot of them from Nicole throughout this episode. I mean, 
there's been a lot of foreshadowing leading up to this. Lots. I also think that the garden is, you know, the tower is a wang. Mm-hmm. The garden is fer- fertile land. It is, it's a vagina. It's sexual. And I think that Balshar needs to copulate. I think he needs to create something. He wants to create something evil with Waverly. And I think that Waverly's the garden. The and I think this is why Bolshar was like, oh, I promised Cludy uh, Waverly and, you know, his whole thing of trying to get out. And I think it's going to be really interesting and, you know, freaking kudos to the writers and Emily for thinking, you know, we're going to make the first people two lesbians, <laughs> you know, or <laughs> a bi girl and a lesbian, to be frank, uh, to be fair. And I'm like, that's never been done. And, you know, we have a bi angel and all this other stuff. And I think that that's really interesting. Also, the last, the past few episodes have really been saying, you know, sacrificing for love, sacrificing for love. I think that, you know, maybe not even the idea of like, it might be a switch marriage. I mean, I think they might get married, but not necessarily under their terms. I think it'd be really funny and kind of cute and interesting because like, you know, we don't know if we're getting a season, uh, well, we're getting a season four, obviously, but we don't know what happens after that, you know? Um, so maybe they do have them be married, you know? And it's an interesting, way hot family thing that's now gonna have to happen and who knows? But I think that's gonna be our kind of our theory for this episode, you know? And I think that's kind of the ending that they're showing. There's a reason why Nicole and Waverly are important and not just to us, but like into the actual Bolshar story. They are connected now, you know? Um, and I don't think that either of them is going to let each other go or get married or, you know, whatever. So I think, I think it's going to be like they're forcing shotgun wedding to uh, a bunch of demons shotgun wedding to Waverly and Bolshar. And then it's going to be like, get in there, Nicole. <laughs> like, they, you can't you can't stop the ritual. It'll kill her. Get in there. Yeah, or something. I think that's going to, honestly, that would be probably the best thing to, to see. Um, okay, so like. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just had some questions for everybody out there because, you know want to wrap this up a bit um, and get your guys' impression. Do you think Nicole is the new Adam? You know, is Adam, <laughs> is Nicole the new Adam? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, what are your thoughts, guys, out there on Bobo? Where is he at? What mayhem, shall we say, awaits us with Bobo? I'm so excited for Bobo to come back. I'd... It's just like when he's not in a well, where does he go? You know, that's He's like question. sleeping on a couch. Is he eating like top ramen? Like, what is he? Is he at a restaurant? I don't know. Does he get money? Like, I don't know how this works. Um, yeah. You know, where did Mama Earp end up? Where is she going? Um, I mean, we get where she said she's going, but is she going to come back? Like, where's that going? You know, um, where's Kate? Where's she going to go? She said, I'm looking for a stagecoach, but that can't be the last time we see Kate. That made kind of no sense to be like, here's the backstory. Good day. <laughs> you know, so. Yeah, that would be a little. That would be that would be uh, too much of a convenience to do that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, why even have the backstory if you're going to get rid of the person the next episode? Yeah. It doesn't make sense. Exactly. So, uh, you know, where is she going? Um. Anyways, yeah, that's kind of only the same. Here's another question I have. Yeah. How do you lift a vampire curse? Like, you know, can it be lifted? You know, can Doc be destroyed? Well, the way that they're we doing... Well, we don't know, but the way they're doing these vampire... This particular trope on this show is different than other stuff. You know, instead of all these fangs, they have grills and, you know... And it's like the way they turn is pretty quick and they can be in the sun and it's a whole thing. So, I don't I don't know. It, they could think of some real random bullshit because, you know, Emily loves... Um, 
uh, Josh Wheaton's like setup of Buffy, but she doesn't want to emulate that. So she wants to do her own version of vampirism. And who knows, maybe it can be cured. Maybe once the entire curse is cured, maybe even Kate gets, ooh, that'd be kind of a cool prediction, of Kate also gets her vampirism back and turns Doc back into a human and maybe they're together. I mean, not gets her vampirism back, but gets her human life back and maybe that's what happened. Who knows? Who knows? But um, yeah, I think it's really interesting. Guys, uh, this episode was everything. What do you give it, Jen? I give it an eight. Same. Yeah, I'm definitely on the same. I think this is one of the best episodes, and I'm absolutely excited for next episode because we get way hot going to a jeweler. And I think oh. I think it's a Groundhog's Day situation. I think that's uh, what we're going with because it says uh, the day repeats until they figure something out or something like that. So I think this is going to be our, our applicable, um, our, our, not applicable, but our... Um, Can't freaking wait. Can't freaking wait. Yeah, like, you know, our Groundhog Day. I think that'll be cute. Uh, I think we're going to get some good way hot. I think we're going to get some good Jeremy moments. Um, I think it's going to be really intense. Also, you know, Bullshar. Oh, that's a thing that everybody's losing their shit about, you know, is the dress blue or is it gold? Nobody knows. With this whole peacemaker, when she points it at Bullshar, it it looks, at least every time I've seen it on different screens and different things, it looks like the gun, the gun turns white uh, when it was in front of Bullshar. Now, is that because he's the one who put the curse in place in the first like he put it on Wyatt's gun to kill revenants like what's the deal why even though he's a demon why does it not turn orange for him why did it turn white so that's the kind of stuff I can't wait to see about you know I think that mm -hmm. that's going to be pretty cool anyways ah, guys it's been great um, hit us up let us know what you uh, what you think and your thoughts you know so have a good one yeah, don't go vampire for a boy. Okay. Moral of the story. <laughs> <laughs> All right, have a good one, guys. Thanks for listening. And if you want to take us on the go, we are now available on Podbeam, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. And if you want to slide on over to Twitter, make sure you find us at whatabout underscore dat. Hope to see you soon. <laughs>